Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. This is episode number 65, and my doctors are still concerned about my failure to thrive. They still phone my mother from the Women's and Children's Hospital once a week, and they say, Marie... He missed yet another developmental milestone. <laughs> we are still concerned. Is he thriving at 39? And my mama Marie, she says, well, he's doing pretty good. Uh, no, come on. Married, kids, house. Well, he's got a podcast. No, we'll call back next week, Marie, and check in again. Doesn't help. Doesn't help to... To bloody gild the lily, just got to be honest. That doesn't sound like thriving to us now, does it? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, doctor, I'll speak to you next week. That's what mum says. <laughs> He's failing to thrive at 39. <laughs> Haven't you got other babies to attend to? (laughs) Shouldn't you be retired? (laughs) He's doing it from retirement. (laughs) He's just got a clipboard of all the babies that he's delivered. Most of them he doesn't have to. It makes it even harder because he says to mum, you know, I don't have to make many of these calls anymore. Most of the (laughs) babies... There's just a couple of naughty kids still on my list, Marie. <laughs> There's just a couple of couple of kids left on my list, and I want to get through them before I pass on to the other side. <laughs> I got a fun thing. Kick us off. Kick what have you off. got on your t-shirt, by the way? Oh, this is from my dear friend Samantha Cook. Oh, good one. Can you read it out? Virginia is for lovers, and yeah, it's got a love Yeah, my heart. dear friend, Samantha Cook, who is currently having the time of her life at the Glastonbury Music Festival. Ooh. It's got to be the greatest music festival the world's ever seen. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's going to be Claire. It's going to be Samantha. It's going to be Simon. It's going to be Matt. And they're having a great old time. They saw Crowded House. Oh. Just like we did there, Crowded House are playing. So Claire saw them mm. again. Oh. And... Paul McCartney's going to play as well. Two crowdeds in one month. Yeah, that's right. Two crowdeds in one month. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The 80-year-old Beatle, wow. Yeah. Very simply having. (laughs) He's just going to do that one. (laughs) A wonderful Glastonbury. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for my royalties, everyone. Who's just going to pull out that horrible old brassy synthesizer? The tents are up. <laughs> Simply having a wonderful Glastonbury. So they're at, they are at Glastonbury. And yeah, Samantha is from the town of Blacksburg, Virginia. Mm. And she brought me back this wonderful T-shirt that says Virginia is for lovers. So I wanted to start off with something real fun, just a little quickie. I wanted to give you the Gen Z Slang of the Week. Oh. Gen Z Slang of the Week. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to get going from calm to irritated any second. <laughs> 
for a couple of chuggy old fellas like us. <laughs> uh, the term is mid. Do you know the term mid, John? Um, no. Can I have okay. a stab? Yeah, go. Is it because you got your tops and you got your bottoms? Have yeah. you also got your mids? Um, who may be a, a like ambi- a sexual thing, ambisexual in terms of their preferred <laughs> that's actually, position. That's, a, that's, that's not a bad guess. I prefer that. No, it just means uh, mediocre or mid tier. Ah, okay. So it was slang originally used in cannabis culture to define the grade of marijuana, and then later hmm. in music discussions to describe albums and artists. And now I think you just throw it out when you think something's a bit. Mid quality, mediocre. You just go. Uh-huh. That's a bit mid. Bit mid. Like I will often, from here on out, I'll often say to you, "What's coming out of your head's a bit mid, John, because you're real yeah. tighten up because you've really given me a lot of work in the edit here." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm often just saying things like, "This steak tartare is a bit mid." Yeah, uh, send it back. <laughs> So that's mid, and so I want you to maybe try and try and throw that into a few conversations. This yeah, week. okay, that's in fairly wide usage, is it? I think so. I've been hearing it. That's why I looked it up. Yeah, one of my students used the word vibe in an email to me. No way, which I was quite pleased with. I think it's okay to describe this because I'm not being critical at all. I was, I found it very. Kind of a sign of the times. Yeah. Uh, it's a- quite quite sweet and funny because she said, I've got still got plenty of time. I've made a bit of a start on my essay, but there's plenty of time to to rework it if you decide if you read the description of my idea and you're like, This is not a vibe. Oh wow. And like, yeah. And I was like and so I'd played along, I've responded and I was like, No, that's a vibe. That's like that idea's a vibe for that's, sure. That's a vibe, no cap. I'm not capping. Yeah, no cap. It's a vibe. No cap. For real, for real. You don't have to worry. I'm not this I'm not chuggy with my approach to the subject. You can bring in ideas from yeah. other realms, facts, mm, no facts. cap. On God. On God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nice. So I also mm. like the that vibe. For any Australians out there, it's just the Dennis Denudo word from the castle. Which, That's true. Yeah, yeah, it's the vibe. He was the vibe. Ahead of, he was ahead of the ahead of the curve. <laughs> he was. Someone should do a meme with him with that like classic sort of, you know, sort of. Uh, That's true. There's a, there's a string of memes with people with that kind of, you know, short sighted, and then they've got a bit of like I don't know what the, what the name for that hairstyle is, but it's very like Gen Z. That kind of ploofy on top, and then shaved on the sides and back, and uh-huh. then they'll just, and then they'll just make a caption, which is somebody speaking in kind of Gen Z talk. So it'll be like, I don't know, Abe Lincoln, but he'll be just his hair will have been altered to look that way, and then he'll be saying things like four score and seven years ago on cap, my brother for real, for real, <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> My my uh, my friend Evan made made a hoodie that he gifted me. You might have seen it, and it's just Einstein's head, and then underneath it just says, "It do be like that sometimes." <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Do you want to tell everybody about your conversations with other men? 
you were unfaithful to me and you've been having conversations, <laughs> conversations with other men. With other men. <laughs> that's what that's I called. True. That's what I whatever people kept saying to me. Oh, when's that? When's that episode of Conversations with Men out that John was on? And I said, I call it Conversations with Other Men. Yeah, it was a, betra- it was a betrayal. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Australian feminist and author Clementine Ford invited you to a panel discussion one evening. And uh, it's the second one, I believe. You also appeared at the first one. It's called Conversations mm. with Men. Mm. And the conceit is that you all turn up and you have pictures of... Men turn up with, then they have, how many of you were there? Maybe five or six. There were five of us, yeah. From from different realms and yeah. you have a picture of yourself as a young boy mm. and then you address the young boy with the wisdom that you have today. Mm. You let that boy know things are going to be, or oh, stop worrying about everything, little boy. Give you some courage like the... Friend, like the like the was it the lion that needed courage or the tin the tin man just needed oil on his joints from memory. Yeah, that's right. Everyone else needed like moral qualities except the <laughs> tin man just had rheumatoid arthritis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so how did it how did it go? It was good. Uh it was um quite a quite a fun and energizing and moving experience. I really liked the other presenters. They all kind of um, brought their own uh, experiences to bear, of course, and there was a nice mix of kind of light and shade. Some people were more funny and, you know, others, well, often there was a kind of mix of kind of humorous observations or self-deprecating humor and then some more kind of poignant stuff, um, which hopefully my talk managed to do a bit of. Uh, and there's a re- there was a really nice, I mean, it's always really nice to kind of do something which everyone is kind of a bit apprehensive about and you're mm. all sort of making yourself a bit, you know, you've, you're all feeling a bit exposed, but you're sort of in it together. And so by the end of the night, you feel like you really have gotten to know these people and gotten to really like them. And then I went out afterwards with a few of the performers and had a wonderful time. Uh, and my talk went well. I found myself getting like a bit kind of emotional in a way that you will never see me get on this, never hear me get on this <laughs> show. Um, so for anyone interested in a bit of tonal variation, you might be interested in hearing it when it yeah. comes out. Um, and you were saying you told me in private that you were a bit surprised that that had happened. Yeah, I was because I, I was funny actually. Jacinta, my partner, was kind of uh, being quite funny about it afterwards, saying that she because I I read it to her when I first drafted it, and even then when I first read it, I was like I had to sort of pause for a bit. And then, because I was feeling things, and then, because you just, you know, you're talking about your childhood and you're talking yeah, yeah, about sure. like whatever difficult stuff. And then, um, and she, I don't think really picked up on that, probably because she's heard me sa- reveal all this stuff a hundred times. Okay. And she was like, she was pretty much her initial take was, you need to be, you need to go deeper. This isn't, I'm not feeling anything here. Not, not. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, <laughs> <laughs> like a script then, revision. Yeah. Like and then I was buy a ticket to this. The reviews are going to be very poor. 
bland and I <laughs> and I and I thought I don't think I need do need to go deeper or I'm willing to go much deeper than that. And uh and I would know where to go. I mean, I've had a pretty good life. Uh there's only so much content I can milk that will make people emotional. Um mm. and so I pretty much left it untouched and then when she was watching it, she was she said, Oh, all these uh, audience members around me started to like to to sort of get a bit emotional and I really, thought, yeah. And I thought, geez, maybe I was slightly, slightly, but uh, glib in my assessment. But uh, but I thought I'd read it enough times and practiced it enough times to be familiar enough with the content that it would be fairly, you know, I I didn't want to read it so many times that I felt as though I was just reciting it, but. Um, I felt I'd read it enough times to kind of build up a callus to the mm. emotional content. But then when you're performing and, you know, you're sort of getting into it, it's quite, you get a bit carried away with it, which I guess is nice. Um, and then, yeah, then Claire Bowditch performed brilliantly. And, uh, man, it always impresses me when people, because um, she's just grown up playing music and performing and mm. c- comes from a family of people who do that, I think. And, and, you know, so she's just chatting with us and, and having a good time and having dinner backstage and whatever, and then just kind of gets up and belts it out. Like it's nothing. Whereas if I was to do that, I'd be thinking about nothing else for about three days beforehand, <laughs> yeah. just like pacing up and down. <laughs> and, uh, and so that's always impressive, but, um, yeah, for somebody who normally talks in court, yeah, I don't. My normal, uh, normally, I'm just trying to suppress annoyance in court rather than tears. Uh, <laughs> so it was a different. It was a nice change of pace. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll keep everyone posted. I'm not sure when the. <clears throat> I'm not sure because they've got to probably go away and edit out all my ums and my coughs. So that's going to take a while. <laughs> and uh, and. Uh, I'm not sure when it'll come out, but um, I'll keep everyone posted and I look forward to being able to share it. And hopefully uh, maybe some curious people will come over and listen to our podcast as well. That'd be nice. Beautiful. Um, yeah. Hi to anyone. If anyone has come over to this podcast yeah, from Conversations with Men, welcome, welcome, welcome. Absolutely. We have a real community forming here. Don't the don't praises. The don't praises. We welcome you and on with the show. So I was checking our podcast on Spotify the other day, mm-hmm. John, because I the episodes post and then I double check that they have been posted correctly on, on the platforms. Mm-hmm. And I was just fascinated to realize that one of our episodes on Spotify had a COVID notice yeah. on it. Uh so I might just bring it up and I can I can read I can describe what it looks like. So mm-hmm. so all of our podcasts appear on Spotify normally 
uh, with no warnings on them or anything of that nature. But then if you go, so it's got all episodes and I'm looking at them. We've got 64, Biff Tech, number 63, Breathe with Jar Jar Binks. And then episode number 60, Handsome Neville, (laughs) above it is just a big blue bar Hmm. with the little information button, learn more, and it says learn about COVID-19. And then you click learn more, and then it takes you to a page where there's all these podcasts uh, that I'm assuming are you know essentially pre-approved by Spotify about mm. the coronavirus. Um, so I'm what must have happened? Well, first mm. of all, this first of all they introduced these warnings after the shitstorm that happened around Rogan. Uh, their yeah Spotify paid. Joe Rogan, $100 million for exclusive rights to distribute his podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he had a bunch of people on that had some different things to say about the coronavirus and there was a lot of backlash. Yeah. And so Spotify started putting COVID warnings on or COVID information notices on his podcast, which I got, but I assumed that that was happening any time because somebody in Spotify was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast, realized that they were talking about some controversial area of COVID, and so they then manually put the warning on. Yeah, but yeah. what must what must have happened is that our podcast has been turned into like it's been scanned. The audio yeah. has been scanned by a robot, turned mm. into a transcript, and then. The transcript, it then then some sort of AI is searching for the words Corona or COVID, and as yeah. soon as it p- picks one up, it just sticks one of these warning boxes on your podcast or information boxes because that's the one podcast where you or you know what it, it might even be a threshold thing where mm. if you say COVID once, you don't get one, but the episode this episode Maybe. in question is the one where you had. COVID, and so you you mentioned it a bit. I mean, Mm. I would be very flattered if there's somebody at Spotify who's listened to all of our podcasts and goes, you know what, I think this is very influential, so we better make sure there's COVID warnings. It's in the same league as the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah, exactly. These guys better have done their homework, otherwise there'll be serious bump in the number of COVID cases. (laughs) Uh, But... COVID deaths caused by... Yeah, wow. It's just it's me just going, don't you just feel like it's just like a mild flu, John? Don't you think <laughs> we didn't need to shut down the economy for this? Dude, now this thing will scan this episode... Oh, yeah, you know what? The, let's, do words, let's do it. For the words mild flu. No, let's do it. Like, I'll, I'll, let's, um, I didn't even think of this, but let's get one. <clears throat> so I'm going to go like this. I'm going to go, COVID, coronavirus, COVID, COVID. <laughs> Lab leak, lab leak, lab leak. <laughs> Wuhan, Wuhan, bat, bat coronavirus. Wuhan lab, bat coronavirus. Bat, there we bat, go. bat. Surely that'll do it. And then uh, I wonder if it, I wonder if it picks up false positives um, to use to borrow from coronavirus <laughs> yeah. terminology. Like if I were to say, uh, this is, this is a Jayco video. And then it would go, oh, of COVID. Uh, oh. And then would it pick that up? Or yeah. Like, uh, this is a 
this is a Waco video from Waco, Texas. And then it would go, no, that's, you said the words, the word, the syllable co and the syllable vid. Yeah. That'll do. Uh, Let's, uh, or if you just talk about vaccine, would that do it? Oh yeah. Vaccine, vaccine. Fauci. Mm. Fauci crook. Fauci's a crook. Crook (laughs) Fauci. (laughs) (laughs) Wuhan. Sounds like you're doing a mic Lie. Lie, lie. (laughs) Government lie. Deep state, deep state, lie, lie. Alex Jones, COVID, we'll probably COVID. Probably a few fucking warnings on this one. <laughs> it's gonna be, it's gonna be this massive red bar over yeah. our, over our, uh, our cast. It's a good. It's a Peter Dazic. Peter Dazic. Who's Peter Dazic? Dazic is uh, he's the head of this like global health alliance that were uh. getting funding from the government and then they donated it to the lab in wuhan yeah right and then and then suddenly we had to shut down the the world fauci crook crook fauci (laughs) (laughs) i'll be fast if this this has to trigger it covid covid do you want to throw some in yeah sure uh covid 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 maga 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 (laughs) (laughs) stop the steal Stop, Stop the steal, the coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> Info wars. <laughs> Culture war. Culture war. <laughs> COVID, COVID, COVID. Q. QAnon. QAnon. Q drop. <laughs> Waiting for the Q drop. <laughs> Storm. Storm the capital. Storm the capital Q drop. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've got some. I'm just going to bring this up, okay? Because the facts are not immediately accessible to me, so I'm just bringing it up in a little shared screen. There we go. Don't get me started on fucking Windows 11. <laughs> bring that. Bring back Windows 95. Um, yeah, bring back that Weezer music video. <laughs> bring That's back right. Buddy Holly by Weezer on the Windows 95 disc to showcase <laughs> the video capabilities. Didn't it? Didn't they sort of merge themselves with Buddy Holly or something? They merged themselves with Happy Days, and I believe yeah, it's that's a right. Spike right. Jones music video. What's with my homies dissing my girl? What are they cut on us? That was quite an amazing technology at the time, and also I remember it being employed in the film Forrest Gump because Tom Hanks was yeah. inserting his character into various historical scenes from right. you know, the Nixon administration and so on. But moving on from that, uh, I've had some interesting communications during the week from my uh, colleagues and friends inside of the Murdoch establishment. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, Rupert Murdoch, of course. Uh, the news is, and this is a developing story, that he is getting uh, what will be his fourth divorce. Um, oh, he married. Uh, he married, uh, or en- was engaged, I think, to 
uh, Jerry Hall in January 2016, and then they mm. married in the March. Uh, that's his fourth marriage, previously married to Patricia Booker for uh, about 11 or 12 years, and then and Anna Maria Torv for uh, almost, well, I think over 30 years, and then Wendy Deng uh, for about 15 years. And he and Jerry Hall... They first made a public appearance together in October 15, and they'd been set up by uh, Rupert's niece and sister. I don't think I need to explain to anyone who Rupert Murdoch is, but he's, he's of course, a a compatriot of ours uh, and has become an extremely powerful man as the uh, head of News Corp and, you know, its various innumerable affiliate organisations. Anyway, he and Jerry Hall who was previously, of course, famously married to Mick Jagger, Yeah, uh, married in March 2016 in London. And he was uh, 85 years old at that time. Okay. And she, Jerry Hall, was 59. And he tweeted at the time that he felt like the luckiest and happiest man in the world. And I have kind of followed their marriage in a vague way. Maybe it surprises people that I have an opinion on this. But <laughs> I just find, I mean... I just find it very bizarre that an 85-year-old man is being set up by his relatives and then uh and then and then tweeting at the wedding saying that he's the luckiest and happiest man alive. I mean, if you're setting up your uncle who is an 85-year-old man, yeah. What 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 are you setting them up for? Like he's basically got you know, it wouldn't be unsurprising if he had five years left. And if he had 10 years, that's a very good going. It's almost verging on extraordinary. And I would have thought, you know, your best bet at 85 is just maintaining a level of comfort in the few years until you fall off the perch. I mean, if I was 85, I think I'd settle for having somebody to bring me spaghetti bolognese and a cup of tea <laughs> and, you know, maybe occasionally have a chat. But they sort of act as though acted as though they were kind of in this whirlwind romance and embarking on a life together. And I, th- I just thought at the time, why are you getting married at all? Like, just be <laughs> friends, just be mates. Who can- and you know, if you want to like share a bed, great. Everyone just thinks that's sweet. No one gives a shit. And you know, surely all bets are off at that point. I don't really understand why somebody who's been married three times before. So, you know, I don't know if the kind of, if that sort of idea of like, well, an idea of the sanctity of marriage might still be part of what influences that person, but it would seem surprising. And then now at 91, he's gotten divorced, mm. which seems even weirder in a way. Like, what are you thinking? Like when you get divorced at 91, are you thinking, well, I guess I'm still figuring out <laughs> who who's going to be the one. Like, no. <laughs> you know, I guess I'm still working out what I need in a partner. So you're at the end. The just just <clears throat> kind of live in separate residences until you imminently perish. With well, Mike, I would love to. It. I would love to see exactly what that kind of marriage looks like day to day, as in how much totally. interaction they have. Yeah. And what are their expectations of each other? And yeah. Are they yeah. expecting one another to perform sexually or is that mm. not what it's about anymore? Mm. Mm. And and as you say, what's the fucking difference? Like why 
what's the difference between being married and divorced at that? Mm. Why why couldn't he just been why couldn't he have just been like Jerry Hole's gonna hang around for a while? You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Anyone like, has got a problem with that, I'll arrange for them to be put in jail because I'm a Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> you know, like, is he still? Tr- yeah. And it's hilarious that he might still be trying to Im- impress people with status. Like, hey, check mm. this out. Guess what? Mick Jagger's. I love the idea as well that he's so out of touch that he's like, hey, you know what? Mick Jagger's wife <laughs> wants yeah. to be with me. It's <laughs> <laughs> just the like, essence of cool. Do you, do you know what year it is, Rupert? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Nobody, nobody remembers Mick Jagger anymore. Yeah, you know what? Priscilla Presley really wants to be with me, guys. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Priscilla Presley and Jerry Hall. And, and Duke Ellington's widow. She's she's going to be my, my mistress. <laughs> it reminds me. Um, yeah, it, I, I mean, I would love to know. In those kind of, because I, I, I often thought the same thing. Of course, the most famous older man who had younger wives and younger mm. women around all the time was Hugh Hefner, the Playboy mm. magazine creator. And mm. he was suddenly, he was eventually a very decrepit old man yeah. in, a, in a bathrobe and smoking <laughs> a pipe. And yeah. he just had young wives or girlfriends. And you just mm. wondered what's. What's in it for everybody here? Yeah, I mean, what's actually going is it on that there? You get, yeah, sure, I get, you get taken care of and you get to live in the Playboy Mansion. But I just was mm. like, but at what cost? And I think the same thing about Jerry Hall. Mm. Like, is that what she, what are you getting? You mm. Surely she's already fairly wealthy and has access. Must be, must and, be. And surely already has access to that, to, to, a, a, to a certain world of celebrity and access yeah does she need yeah. like another tier of access where mm. she's like oh, i need to be in the next tier where i can influence governments like murdoch <laughs> maybe that was her whole thing she yeah. wanted to sort of shape the global political conversation yeah it's one thing to be swanning around studio 54 but i really want to like <laughs> get into geopolitics at this point I just want to try and install conservative governments in as many <laughs> countries that I can. I want to have sort of hushed up meetings with, with juntas now. That's my thing. Because <laughs> that's the kind of thing that Mick could never expose me to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, re- it reminds me as well of just how how the celebrity world plays by a set of rules that if you take celebrity and money out of it, it's just inc- incredibly weird. Like as you say... Mm. If you had an eighty-five-year-old uncle, and you're yeah. like, "I'm gonna," oh, I've got this like almost sixty-year-old friend that I think you'd be really good at. Mar- like people would go, "What are you doing?" Like that's not happening. <laughs> like, yeah, no, what you, nobody's what interested mean, in this. What do you mean dating? Like, can he get around? Is he? <laughs> where would they go? Just to the RSL? It always reminds me of. I forget which comedian said this, but. Uh, I never take, I never miss an opportunity to stick the boot into James Corden. <laughs> James Corden, I, I guess he was in his mid thirties, mm. and he was about to get married, and he'd recently just through Celebrity World met the boys from Run to One Direction, who were all mm-hmm. like seventeen or eighteen at the time. <laughs> yeah, and then he just had them all come to his wedding, uh, and again, great. if you just. If you just take celebrity world out, if yeah. I had a wedding 
in my mid thirties, and then I just and then my mum said, "Who who are those?" Boys, and I said, "Oh, that's just five seventeen-year-old boys that I met last week, and now they're at my <laughs> wedding." <laughs> yeah, people would go, "What are you fucking crazy? Why have you got five like Te- handsome seventeen? Why have you got when? Boys. When did you meet them? Oh, like a month ago? I've yeah. actually only ever really met. What I actually only really have spoken to two of them, but they come as a five, really. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So they all agreed to come, and then yeah. Then you'd say, oh, they're, they're really talented and entrepreneurial. And then <laughs> your mother would say, but they're children. What are they doing here? <laughs> it's like um, I think uh, Drake, I guess, was a fan like everybody. Musician Drake was a fan of Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. And then he got the number of that girl that was in Stranger Things playing. Was her name Eleven? I don't, only watched a couple oh, yeah. episodes. Millie right. Bobby, I think, is her name. Yeah, Millie Bobby and Brown. Then, and then she, I think, let slip on an interview because she just didn't think anything of it. That yeah. basically Drake was like texting her all the time. And then I think she even like showed some of the texts or chatted about them. And again, Ugh. she was like really young, like, I don't yeah. know, 13, 14. Oh, and man. Drake was like in his 30s. And then Drake's just texting her. And Great. no matter what you're texting her, you just yeah. go, what's, again, if. If I was just, if you said, oh, what are you, what, what are you doing on your phone there, Alex? And yeah. I go, I'm just texting a 14-year-old girl that I yeah. met, that I, it's not a relative or anything. Yeah. It's, nothing, it's nothing sexual. And I'd say, well, that's not really the point. <laughs> I'm just telling her that I think she's really talented and maybe she wants to come over and just hang out and watch movies. You'd go, you're going to jail. <laughs> You would. You would. <laughs> but that's the beauty of Hollywood. That's just the beauty of Hollywood. Yeah, that is the beauty of Hollywood. And so, uh, look, in closing, I just wanted to say um, to Rupert and Jerry, particularly to Roops, my heart goes out Roops. to them. Roops. Big Roops. Big Roops. Uh, <laughs> um, I just wanted to say, look, you know, mate, you'll – You'll take you'll take a little bit of time to recover, so it might be you might be ninety two or ninety three by the time you feel like you're ready to hit the scene again. But uh, by the time that happens, I'm sure uh, you'll be back on track. You'll get your mojo back. Uh, one of your nieces or nephews can show you the apps, and you can uh, set something up. <laughs> I just went for a little jog this morning. Uh, it's 9 a.m. here. I'm getting ready for my day. Mm-hmm. Can you want to know what I'm going to do this weekend? Please tell me. Can you say, can you say, yeah, I want to know. Yeah, I want to know. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for humoring me. That was great. No okay. Um, Always a pleasure. So I am going to a place called Tropical Islands. Have you heard Ooh. of this? Can you understand about this? Uh, I think not. I mean, I okay. understand what a tropical island is. Okay. But I don't so think tropical, that's what you mean. Tropical Islands is a water park about 50 k's outside of Berlin oh. in a repurposed airship hangar. 
Oh, cool. And I've been there before. This is this time I'm going for my friend Mariko's birthday. A whole bunch mm-hmm. of us are going. I've been before. It's super fun and mm. super weird in the best way. Uh, mm. I'll give you a few little <laughs> facts here. So, the it's the dome that houses the Tropical Islands Water Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, is the fourth largest building in the world by usable volume. Holy it's the shit. largest freestanding hall in the world with no pillars inside. So it's a huge wow. dome. It's almost 1,200 feet long, 700 feet wide, and 350 mm-hmm. feet high. Mm-hmm. And it was originally built, uh, I think they com- the company completed it, I think, in the in the late 90s, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... The idea was that they were going to build airships that mm. could, because I think airships. I didn't know people were still interested in building airships in the nineties. Do you mean like a blip, what people would like call a blimp? A blimp? Yeah, yeah, because I think they can take heavier payloads than other huh. craft. So I think right. the idea was that they'd build airships that then could be sold commercially or rented commercially. Anyway, the company went bust, so there was just this mm. huge. Hangar. I think this mm-hmm. is. I think that's right. I think that's when it was. The, the hangar was actually completed. I, I know the actual. Well, the I actual can't believe site. a blimp company would go bust. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, I mean, the Nazis originally started developing the airfield that the dome was on. Um, uh, can't right. quite get the date when the dome was finished. But uh, then, in two thousand and two, a Singaporean company bought the dome and turned it mm-hmm. into a water park. Hmm. And so it is essentially like a like a faux tropical environment inside wow. of a dome. We're talking it, about fifty thousand trees and shrubs, including some rare shit. plants. There's a hot air balloon inside that goes hmm. up and down. There's thirteen different bars and restaurants to choose from. There's flamingos inside. Holy shit. Yeah. It's like a biosphere. Exactly. It is like a biosphere. And the thing that so, we're doing this time, which I didn't do last time, is we're staying overnight on the fake sandy beach and there's uh, like teepees on wow. the fake sandy beach and we stay in the water park overnight wow. on the beach. Wow. That's great. So if you go in there, what do you see? Is it kind of a massive open space or is yeah. it a- What I'm going to okay. do, I did actually I did actually copy a little link here. So if you're okay. on, because you're going to, why don't you just, you can describe for people what you're seeing here. I'm going to send this yeah, to sure. you on on uh, Messenger. Yep. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. It's stunning. What I'm witnessing is- um, is as you described. Oh, there's a woman in a mermaid costume. Yep. There's a couple uh, jauntily running around on a beach. There's water slides, massive water yeah. slides. Yeah. Uh, there's all flamingos, yeah, having a good time. Some palms, uh, a peacock. What about the scale? Are you getting a sense of the scale? It's it's staggering. <laughs> wow, look at that. Frozen yogurt. They got everything. Chopper chops. <laughs> this cheese pizza. Is, you can just watch Shawshank Redemption on loop if you want. There was actually there was a, a little shop with chopper chops. Wow, look at that! And there, so there's an outdoor area as well. Yeah, which is just more your kind of standard water park stuff, sprinklers and 
water slides and a wave pool and yep. a sort of uh, thing that you can bodyboard around on. Yeah. It looks like utopia to me. Yeah. Well, this, is, <laughs> this is the thing. So, when I went there last time and I was joking with my friend Jordan when we walked in, I said yeah. that I, I liked to pretend that I, that we were all a group of the, some of the last remaining humans who had chosen to continue <laughs> the species after there'd been some sort of catastrophic event which had rendered the surface of the earth uninhabitable without some sort of <laughs> dome protection. Yeah. <laughs> and that the island is some kind of uh, like human experience <clears throat> that we all aspire to, you know, it's Ooh. this is this this is the essence of humanity. And this is what everyone used to do, just kind of yeah. swan around in the sun with flamingos. That's right. And all day I just drink Dr Pepper and I eat flamingo and I continue the species in the dome. The thing that I think would work well with the video is just maybe two or three frames just spliced in the middle of somebody, I don't know, getting their organs harvested or just <laughs> just showing you the darker side of the utopian <laughs> utopian dome community. <laughs> there is that you're not you're not actually aware, but you could be placed on a lower rung of the dome community, in which yeah. case if one of the hires up, like a surgeon or one mm. of one of somebody higher up in the bureaucracy needs an organ, yeah. then you gotta where, where? you gotta you gotta give it up. It's Logan's run time. Last time we were there, we just drank a lot and I I just kept pretending, just kept doing like little sort of dystopian things. Like I would just (laughs) turn to Jordan and just be like, welcome to Sector 4. Please report (laughs) to your duty manager for today's task. (laughs) Comply, comply, comply. (laughs) Well, it's so nice, isn't it? Return to the line. All is well. Comply. Just like grinning as as a single tear streaks down your cheek. <laughs> this is great. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for this Please. utopia. I'm so tired from bodyboarding. Can I have a rest? <laughs> then you just get pulled away by the guards. <laughs> <laughs> it's very it's very much like the Truman Show as well because there really is a body of water that goes right up against a dome back that is huh. sort of pretending to be the horizon. So I also like to get up there and kind of touch the wall and pretend that I am Truman at the end of the that Truman you're show. To the architect, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, my son. I've been watching you. I, I get my friend Jordan to do it. I say, Jordan, can you say, I've been watching you your whole life, please, in a reassuring, deep, fatherly voice. <laughs> Oh wow! So is it? Is there much like? Is there much out there? Is it? How far away did you say it was from Berlin? Now there's nothing out there. If I, I'll wow. send you another pic, which you're gonna mm. love. Uh, just go- John, just Google Tropical Islands Dome Berlin, and you'll see. Okay. There's, there's, this is, it makes it look even more wonderfully dystopian. Is there's fucking nothing there except this huge slater-looking like? Oh yeah! Wow! It really is like in in the middle of a sort of. Just flatlands. Yeah. Uh, far out. It's so massive. Yeah. No pillars. All dome. thing I like to imagine is, you know, previously giant, giant buildings, you know, record-breakingly giant buildings, they generally held some 
you know, maybe it was a spiritual significance. You're talking about yeah. pyramids. You're talking about giant <laughs> cathedrals. And now it's just like, it's just a defunct blink panger and we're having a random water park in it. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that says about us. When the archaeologists of the future, they'll be so confused. They'll go, "What was this to? Wor- <laughs> what was this to worship? I don't yeah, understand. Right. Why is there a wild population of flamingos in the middle of Germany?" <laughs> um, it reminds me of uh, Pablo Escobar, the drug dealer. Had a yeah. uh, had a collection of hippos because he was just oh. you know very rich and didn't know what to do with his money, and. When his uh, operation went bust, the hippos were, I think some of them must have escaped from his compound or whatever, and they just are still living there. And they've kind of become this interesting and important and much studied part of the local ecosystem, this wow. uh, collection of hippopotamuses that are, would not be there, but for him having this kind of Scarface style you know, <laughs> uh, wonderland. Uh, there you go. Well, enjoy that. That's going to be fun. Thank you. I'm going to have a good time in my tropical paradise in the dystopian dome. I'll be in Sector 4 reporting for duty. I'm going to look forward to you to that moment where you wake up and you have a split second of going, the fuck, where am I? I'm in a teepee on a fake beach. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all of my life's decisions have led me. (laughs) To this, I'm on a fake beach in a fake tropical island in on yeah. the outskirts of Berlin, Germany. That's why. That's why that doctor keeps calling Marie. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on this week's episode of Don't Praise the Machine. I'm John Maloney, and I've appeared, as always, with my pod brother, Alexander Holland. We'll see you next week on episode number 66. I'm talking plenty of fancy tricks and the True Biscuit Crunch. That's right, your favourite, Twix. (laughs) Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next week at the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>